When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I wanted to talk to you guys about the MLB Roto Baller Challenge, hosted by our friends at Fantrax on Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable free fantasy baseball platform in the industry, and that's why we're hosting over our 2022 Roto Baller Challenge over on Fantrax. If you want the greatest fantasy experiments, sign up for a free Roto Baller Challenge team today by going to rotoballer.com backslash challenge. All leagues are free to join, and you get to compete against Rotoballer writers and readers for a shot at $500 cash grand prize. All new Fantrax users get entered into a free giveaway to win a signed official MLB Wander Franco jersey. If you want to get entered to win a Wander Franco jersey and you're new to Fantrax, go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba and sign up for your free Fantrax account today. Once you have your Fantrax account, go to rotoballer.com backslash challenge to join the challenge league. But go to Fantrax.com backslash Bubba to create your Fantrax account. Be entered to win a Wander Franco autographed jersey. But for now, welcome to Benched with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 118, continuing our starting pitching preview, part three, pick 61 through 100 of the starting pitching landscape. But don't worry, we won't go over all of those players. We'll hit on some big ones here and there. Then we'll talk some relief pitchers, talk about a handful of them and some strategy involved there. I didn't list all the relievers to talk about because there are some great sites doing great work with relievers that'll be much probably better than us to go over the relief pitcher landscape, reliever recon, Ryan Roof with Rotowire, and many, many more. So check all that out. But first off, I'm on Twitter at BDentric, and my co-host as always on this wonderful endeavor on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy, just a few sleeps away from the main event in Las Vegas. How we doing, my friend? Doing well, Bubba. Yeah, I'm very excited for Vegas. Um, God, two year two years ago, I think it was. I had everything booked. The family was ready to go, and the pandemic hit. So it's been kind of two years, and even even longer than that, kind of in the in the making. So excited to get out there and play. I'm doing the main event on Saturday. I have pick number two. Ooh, I wonder um, who you're gonna take. <laughs> I wonder. I just got some intel. Uh, I mean, it's nothing surprising from the person who's picking first. So I'm fairly certain of who I'm going to get. Nice. Um, but yeah, so I'm picking uh, second there. I have the main and then I have a, an auction um, on uh, on Sunday. 
So that should be fun. I'm sharing a team. So that should be, that should be good. I'm really looking forward to it, but most of all, just like getting a chance to hang out with people and, um, you know, check it out is, is going to be a lot of fun. Are you going to be able to, to make it? I know you were thinking about Unfortunately, it. Unfortunately, but... no, like I had, I had it all planned out and ready to go, but uh, the wife has a trip planned for the weekend with her girls that I, that she told me about like less than a week ago. So it's daddy duty that weekend, which is oh, fine. Man. I, I, I love it. It's fine. I mean, but, honey, uh, honey loves some fantasy baseball. So yeah, no, just yeah. bring her around. I better It'll never be come home great. if I take her to Vegas. <laughs> That would be a, a rough, rough sell right there. So oh, as much as I wanted to, it's going to have to wait till next year, unfortunately, because there's a lot of great people I'd love to meet and talk to and hang out with. It would be a really, really cool for sure. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. It'll be great. I'm sure one of these years we'll, we'll both be there and uh, inevitably we'll be drafting next to each other, you know, mm-hmm. or we'll be in the same draft and then we'll be like side by side in the draft because that's like the only always. way that things seem to to work out yep it never fails it never fails when we're side by side in the draft room it's just par for the course but uh that'll be fun can't wait to talk about it uh next tuesday and see how things went and uh get the new adps and everything and we had a fun question at the end of the show from little book of calm about the the pitching landscape switching up there but let's get back to the pitching landscape let's get to uh, our sp3 preview here and i'm not even gonna look at the adp because i just did like from 314 i did to 321 when i wrote it out last night it's obviously changed there's a lot of there's like three ocs a night almost going on right now so they're accumulating pretty fast compared to where they were before and um as of last night 61 through 65 was Cindergard, hauk jomo hungjin ryu and anthony de so uh which pitchers uh interest you in that realm yeah i mean so with Cindergard, it's kind of an issue it's one of those health issues right it's not necessarily a skill issue um, it's just a question of if he's going to be healthy and it's been so long since he's pitched consistently, it's hard to know what you're getting skills wise. So for me, I just haven't been in on him going at this point in the draft. There's just, it's too valuable of a pick to take uh, that big of a question mark on for me. Um, especially when it's been such a long time since we really saw, saw kind of peak Cindergard. So Cindergard's not really on my radar. I haven't really been interested in how, which I think is just one of those things that sometimes happens with players. I don't think there's any particular reason why I should be out on him. You know, he's in a good context, obviously with the, um, with the Red Sox, you know, he had a really nice K minus walk rate, really nice swinging strike rate. You know, everything looks really good from a skills perspective. And he's also been able to suppress home runs a little bit. We only have 86 innings. Uh, We don't know how much volume we're going to get. And oftentimes, honestly, like even the pitchers that I like in this range, I'm, I'm usually grabbing hitters at this point. And so, um, he just has not been on my radar, but I could definitely see where he could, he, he could kind of hit big. Um, I mean, I don't think you're going to get enough volume for him to be like big, big, you know, like we're not going to hit like 180, 200 innings pitch where you're getting the volume and the skills, but certainly like 120 to 150, something like that. Um, and being very hey Toby, I have to go take care of the little one for a second. So if you want to just roll through this, and I'll catch up. Ooh, when I get back. Bubba! Oh man, she woke up. Yep, she woke right up. Back. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Man, honey, you know you guys. Bubba's not here anymore, but honey is his two-year-old, and she probably heard me talking about uh, the NFBC and Vegas, and she got really uh, excited. Um, about going to uh, to Vegas, and so she woke up. So I take uh, I take a hundred percent of the credit for this. But 
we're just going to keep on rolling. All right. The pitcher that I like the most in this uh, fivesome that Bubba shared is Jordan Montgomery. So he's the one guy we're kind of like in this range. I am willing to um, kind of bypass a lot of the hitters that I like in a similar range to grab Montgomery. Um, I'm comfortable with him being like, you know, even as high as, as an SP three, I, I definitely probably, I, I, I'll say I definitely won't find myself in that situation just because I am targeting pitching a little bit more heavily than I even have in the past. But um, he was sneaky good last year, three, eight, three ERA one, two, eight whip. Um, you know, the BABIP and the strand rate were, were reasonable. He was able to manage the home runs per nine a little bit. K minus walk uh, solid at 17% swinging strike rate at 13.7. O swing at 35.4 and the Z contact at 81.2. So he's kind of checking all the boxes um, from a skills perspective. And I think even bigger than that is he, you know, over the last, I want to say it's 10 games. Let me get my rolling averages up here. But over the last 10 games or so, he really took off. He started throwing, I think, his four-seam fastball um, a little bit more. Um, we saw that O swing up at 35.6%, K rate at 25%, walk rate at 8.2%, swinging strike rate up at 146 It must have been his last five that I was thinking about. Yeah, that's, that's where it really got nasty for him. Uh, 76% Z contact, 36% O swing, 30% K rate with only a 7.8% walk rate and a 16% swinging strike rate. So obviously, you know, a smaller sample there, but um, I think the key, if my memory is serving me correctly, is that he started throwing the four seamer instead of, yeah, he started throwing, throwing the four seamer instead of the sinker. And so that's why you see some of those, um, you know, strikeout related metrics uh, going, going through the roof. Um, he did struggle, I think, a little bit with quality of contact there. You do worry a little bit about the home runs, but the nice thing about Jomo is that he does keep the walk rate pretty low and always has. So he's at least minimizing um, minimizing those struggles. Um, the next guy, uh, Hinjin Ryu, I don't have any shares of, of Ryu um, yet. I could definitely see him being interesting. I mean, the Blue Jays pitchers definitely get a bump um, right now because of the vaccination rules. So Every single lineup that goes up there, there's probably going to be at least one guy, you know, in that lineup that may not be playing um, because they're unvaccinated, which is going to give a benefit, you know, just slightly even um, to the Blue Jays pitchers. So I like that, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's always been pretty good, struggled with health last year, struggled a little bit last year, but we do have a long track record of success when he does pitch. So he's a nice little guy, like, a, you know, like, especially... I mean, he's going 100 picks after where he went last year, something like that. He's still on a really good team, so he should get access to wins. Um, so I don't mind him. Anthony Desclafani may be the biggest like blah pitcher um, on the face of the earth. There's nothing he does really. He's, there's nothing he does poorly. There's nothing he does like all that well. Uh, I think he overperformed a little bit last year with the super low Babbitt at 265. That brought the whip low. It brought the ERA lower than the FIP as well. Um, he also had his lowest home run per nine um, of his career. Um, so probably a little bit of regression due there, but still solid in the K minus walk. Swinging strike rate is a, is a perfectly average 11%, slightly higher than league average at O swing, right around league average in Z contact. So given kind of the context that he plays in and the fact that he's, you know, on the Giants, like, He's just uh, pretty mediocre, but as your SP4, 
you know, even as like a, a low end SP three, I think he's, um, he's solid enough, but not somebody that I'm really going after. Uh, the next five, um, and you guys are just going to hear me talk. This is going to be like a, like a solo pod for a little bit. Um, let's just hope for your sake that, uh, honey, uh, goes to sleep, uh, early, uh, next up 66 through 70 SP 66 through 70, uh, Jose or Alex Wood, John means Tristan McKenzie and Joe Ryan, uh, an interesting group for sure. Um, or is kind of interesting although he doesn't really strike out enough guys for me to be um, super interested in him. Uh, last year, he last year, um, the K rate was at 21.3% over his career, 177 innings. It's at 20.8%. He also doesn't walk any guys, you know, so that's, that, that's something in his favor. Um, you know, night, a decent O swing, you know, decent in zone contact decent swinging strike rate, but, um, you know, he's been like, it's hard to say he's got 177 innings pitched, you know, the BABIP is lower. Um, but it's at 237 last year, 209, the year before that, you know, you don't know how much regression is due, but there's probably some coming there. Um, and the problem with that is that once he starts getting some more base runners, he does have a home run issue, uh, 1.37 home runs per nine for his career. So I worry a little bit about the combination of those factors, maybe some potential regression, more base runners, and then the double whammy um, of the uh, the home runs per nine. So I haven't been in on him. It is a nice situation in Houston. You know, should have access to wins there. I do like Alex Wood quite a bit. I mean, on a perning basis, he's really strong. Um, got no problems with him. Really good situation with the Giants. You know, the the last however many years, it hasn't really been a question of you know, how well he's going to pitch when he pitches um, out. Well, I guess I should say that I lied. Uh, 2019 and 2020 he was God awful, but only through 47 total innings in those two, um, those two, uh, two seasons. But, you know, since, uh, you know, discounting those, which we're not supposed to do, but you know, 138 innings in 2021, 151 in 2018, 152 in 2017, 160 in 2016, in 2015, 189, and you have 384 ERA, 373, 272, 368, 383, uh, WHIP, 118, 121, 106, 126, 136, 114. So, you know, overall pretty solid. You know, the Giants always get the best out of their um, out of their guys. So could definitely see Wood being successful. He's got that 19.3% K-minus walk rate, 12.5% swinging strike rate. Uh, does well in the zone. Uh, o swing as well um, is decent as well. So all of that uh, makes him probably my favorite in this group. Maybe I do like John Means a lot. Um, I was a big fan of John Means last year. You know the concerns are obviously the Orioles um, and how bad they're going to be. You know I think he went. What do you have? He had six wins last year in twenty six games started. Um, and that is with the ERA of three, six, two and a whip of one, zero, three. The one thing I will say about means is his whip is all has always been pretty good in close to 350 innings. He's got a 1.08 whip just really doesn't walk guys at all. He's in the zone a lot, um, gets a decent O swing, um, you know, gets ahead of hitters a lot. He's got that really nice change up. He also, um, is it benefits in terms of whip because he does have a very low BABIP, 247 over those 350 innings. He's an extreme hot fly ball pitcher, um, you know, close to 50% on that fly ball rate, 
for his career. So that's keeping the Babbitt below. He gives up a crap ton of home runs, 1.7 over the course of his career, including 1.84 last year. He was much better before his injury last year. And the most innings pitched he's hit is 155 in 2019. So you can't really rely on him on uh, for much volume. But if you're looking for a nice little whip play with maybe a little bit of upside in the strikeouts and the ERA, uh, John Means is is somebody that I don't mind. Tristan McKenzie, I don't have any Tristan McKenzie, but I can definitely see why people are excited about him. He struggled throughout the year last year, but really turned it on um, down the stretch. And so, um, you know, uh, there's a, there's so many of these guys every year. And I think that's one thing is like, you know, with a lot of these guys, it's just a matter of preference. Like there are reasons you can see why these guys are going to take the next step, why they're going to be, why they're going to be, you know, the next best thing. You know, there are all, uh, so many players around this range have a case for why they're going to do it. And probably one or two will make that leap. And it's just a matter of whether you uh, whether you guess right. Um, but with McKenzie, I think the key for him over his I think is I think it's his last ten. That's what I usually look at for guys is the rolling ten, um, just because it gives us a good sense like uh, st- swinging strike rates, CSW, things like that are, tend to stabilize relatively well um, over that period of time. So um, in his last ten games, you know, eighty six percent Z contact, so right around league average. Uh, elevated O swing, which is really nice. Keep those walks down right around 38%. You know, the K rate at 26.1%. So better than league average with the rising O swing. You also have the dip in the walk rate down to 6%. So you're talking about a 20% K minus walk rate swinging strike rate at 13.1%. So over the last 10, you know, really checks the boxes. Only concerns are the guardians are obviously, you know, offensively are not going to give him a ton of, uh, breathing room, I don't think, uh, in the wind department. And I don't mean to be like focusing too much on winds, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, is I'm fairly certain that winds are correlated with runs scored by teams. And so had too many shares of Sandy Alcantara last year and John means and getting all these beautiful ratios and no wins. So McKenzie can definitely see it. And then Joe Ryan, similarly, you know, at every stop, um, you know, I actually had a few shares of him last year, um, thanks to some some friend, smart friends of mine. Has a really nice whip. The projections like the whip a lot. The ERA is a little bit higher, but he has this deceptive fastball at every stop in the minors. He's just been um, really, really good. I mean, the K minus walk rate since he since his you know since lower A in twenty eighteen are twenty five point two, thirty one point three, thirty two point one, thirty seven, thirty point two, forty four point one, and then twenty five percent. Uh, last year in his short stint with 26.2 innings. You know, he's in the AL Central. That's a pretty nice gig right there. You know, he's in that rotation. Nice O swing, nice in zone, small sample, albeit uh, 12% swinging strike rate. So a guy who always seems to do a little bit better than what the peripherals say that he should. And I think there's reason to believe that he'll be he'll be fine um, here. Uh, Bubba is rejoining us. So you will hear somebody else's voice. Oh, that was fun. That was fun. But uh, all right, cross your fingers. I, I, I got through the first ten. Beautiful. Sixty-one to seventy. All so right, you're you're on. We want to hear what your thoughts are on sixty-one to seventy. All right, my quick thoughts: sixty-one through sixty-five. I like Jomo quite a bit. Big Jomo fan. Jomo. Uh, love the love the pitch mix changes. Love the innings he throws at this point in the the ADP. I think it's kind of undervalued. I, 
it was this time last year, like Sandy Alcantara, we loved because of his innings. And then we saw what he did at the next level. I think Joe Mo could take another step as well with the pitch mix changes we keep seeing. Plus, uh, playing on a good team never stinks. So uh, I like Joe Mo quite a bit. I am willing to buy into the Hungjin Ryu uh, bounce back due to what took place last year. I haven't found myself drafting a lot of Ryu, even though I find like the under, I can understand it type thing, if that makes sense. So it's not like I'm out on him, but I'm not in love with him. So those are the kind of main guys in that range. But Jomo, lots of shares. Big fan. Big fan of Jomo. Uh, 66 through 70. This gets interesting now because I don't mind Rikidi, but I find myself gravitating to Alex Wood quite a bit. If Alex Wood could somehow get 150 innings under his belt, I'd be a huge, huge fan of that scenario. Uh, what he's done when healthy, which is always a big if with Alex Wood because we know the the track record is not great. And the Giants will have some phantom ILs. They've signed Boyd and Junis, and like they have probably eight or nine deep they can go to give the whole rotation will be good for uh, some phantom IL stints. But even in 138 innings last year, you know, a 383 ERA ratios have usually been a good thing for um, Alex Wood outside of 2019, 2020, where he was more of a kind of reliever long man, it seemed like, or just kind of spot starter, if anything. So he's been much, much better when it comes to ratios. Strikeouts have been there for Alex Wood. There's a lot to like with him at, at this point in the draft. So I like him as my SP, what is this, like six, seven, I guess in this range, give or take. So big fan of him. And other than that, Joe Ryan, I can see the upside for, but you just got to hope he gets the innings, which he threw more than people think between the Olympics, the minor leagues, and the bigs. So he should probably be good for like 120, 130, I would think. But uh, is that enough for you? I just said Alex Wood threw 138, so I guess it could be if, if you want to. Ryan is that good. Just gotta just gotta hope he goes long enough to make it happen. But pretty much for me, it's like Jomo in that top group, Alex Wood in this middle group. That's where I'm focused on. Um, I can see the Ryu argument. Urquidy's I can see as well. I know Eno Saris loves Jose Urquidy, so there's a lot to like there as well. And then Joe Ryan for me, like Tristan McKenzie, I want to like his strikeout stuff's ridiculous. But there's two things. It's um, the ratios aren't great because when he's not on, he gets lit up because his command's bad. He gets about a couple home runs. It gets nasty. But at the same time, um, when it comes to Tristan McKenzie, just something about that build, like it's the Chris Sale type build, and it worked well for Sale, but, man, when they're just bean pulls like that, it just feels like something's not going to stay healthy long enough. It's just the way it feels. could just be totally poor on my part for thinking that. But uh, that's where I am, like 61 through 70. So now that we're caught up, we're, we're good here. Uh, 71 through 75, John Gray, Alex Cobb, who Oscar Noah, Stephen Matz, and Aaron Ashby. Take it away. Yeah, combined, I think I have like two of all these guys combined. Um, Gray, I really want to like Gray. The projections love Gray. They see him as a huge value. The fastball velocity is nice, but we talked about this in the review podcast, but like, I just don't see it. There's no explanation for me for why he got so much better in the second half there was a little bit of a velo- there was a little bit of a velocity uptick but none of the underlying skills really changed that much like the swinging strike rate CSW all those pieces he doesn't have pitches that can get folks to chase on pitches outside the zone so i think that will continue to be an issue just inconsistency walks um and um and getting and getting rocked uh, every once in a while because he 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 has to be in the zone um so not really into John Gray. Uh, Cobb is the one for sure that I like the most of this group. The Giants work miracles. There's like a little bit too much of a resemblance between him and uh, Kevin Gaussman. I mean, Gaussman was much better 
coming to the Giants. I mean, he was in the bullpen in Cincinnati before he moved to the Giants, but his swinging strike rate was like 15%. You know, whereas with Cobb, you're looking at about like 11 to 12%. But, you know, I think Cobb is like slowly getting better. He's got the splitter. I'm sure they're going to bump the, the usage up um, for the Giants. Um, and, you know, you could totally see him make, taking that step. Volume is obviously a concern. He's been injured throughout his career. You know, uh, last time he hit 150 innings was in 2018 with Baltimore when he was, you know, pretty god-awful. But he's got that splitter. It's an elite pitch. You know, 16.5% came out his walk last year. Um, and I want to say he got better as the year progressed um, as well. Let me just see, like, yeah, and like 53%, you know, walk rate, really nice there, keeping the fly, fly balls to a minimum. Really limiting home runs, 0.48 um, home runs per nine last year, which was which was much lower than his um, career average there. So I can definitely see it. Love him on the Giants. You know, a little bit of a volume concern, um, and I'm just kind of into maybe some different pitchers um, going around this time. So haven't been as into it. Uh, Waskar Yanoa, um, I can also see it. You know, I can also see it, but. You know, injuries, punching the wall. Uh, but man, he he looked really good at the beginning of last year. So again, just a question of health. I mean, Bubba, I said this while you were gone and you pretty much said this when you came back too. It's like, you can see a lot of the reasons why people like these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, throughout uh, Rob DiPietro in the, in the chat here. Um, you can see why people like these guys. And you know, some of them are going to hit and it's just a matter of like, which ones they are, which are the ones that are going to get that career high in volume, you know, or are going to get the balls that bounce the, the, the right way or the pitch mix change that we haven't seen yet, you know, that they can really take advantage of. So, you know, uh, he's got great fastball velocity lights out slider. Even the changeup isn't that bad. And I think a lot of people have wondered why he doesn't throw that more often so that, you know, he's, you know, he can keep hitters off balance a little bit. Uh, not interested in Steven Matz really. I just, I know he's on the Cardinals. I should like him, but I just can't get into it. The whip is always just not, not good, not enjoyable. Uh, makes me slightly want to vomit, but that's about it. Uh, and then Aaron Ashby, I just don't, the role, like all, if he's not going to be a a starter to to start off with, or he's not going to get the volume that I need, I'd rather just draft somebody who does have a role and then, pick up the guy who's kind of lights out or who's piggybacking that we can identify early in the season. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Rob DiPietro blip on the whip. He remembers, uh, the last podcast we had, uh, but, on the whip. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's pretty Steven much like Matt's. Yeah. Like John Gray is a guy that when the move happened to Texas, everybody was like, yeah, yeah. I want John Gray. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly would have to look. I don't know if I have more than like two shares out of like 15 teams. Like I really don't because I haven't just, I haven't been there to, to, to need to take them the way I build out my rosters. And some people like them much more than me. That's just the, the brass tacks of it all. When you break it down, yes, it's great going out of Coors, but he was always that guy that was better in Coors. So how much better is he going to be in Texas? It's a great ballpark to pitch in. Don't get me wrong, but um, and he's got some other good ballparks in the division to pitch in. So that that's a plus. Like he should still be very good. The strikeouts it were an improvement at times last year, which is a plus, but 
I'm with you on Alex Cobb's the guy I got circled here. And it's uh, a lot of the stuff you mentioned that the splitter was much, much better last year with Anaheim. And it should improve even more with the Giants. It is a Gossman clone. Like I've been Mr. Anti-Gossman because of his ADP. Well, Cobb's ADP ain't that. I guess it's a beautiful situation here. It's one of those, if he doesn't have it, you can just drop him again. I'm going to say it too much with the Giants. They are all going to have Phantom IL stints. So just know that with Kevin or with, with Alex Cobb. It's going to come. Just like he had he had a couple with uh, with Anaheim. He's had some blister issues in the past. So they can easily just go like, oh, yep, he's got one that popped up. We're, we're good. But the strikeout increase last year to nearly 25%, as you mentioned, the walks are still a concern, 8.4%. It's always been a concern with uh with alex cobb but just with that strikeout increase of 16.5 percent k to walk best of his career and he still was very successful with a uh 65.8 percent left on base rate which really is not great so he he was actually making stuff happen because he was keeping the ball in the yard like you said which made that 376 era and 338 xfip shine much much better so um i'm a big fan of what we're seeing with cobb 8.2 percent home run of fly ball best of his career you'd have to or since 2011 you'd have to imagine that there might be some regression there but then again going into to san francisco is a a good thing too so uh, there's a lot to like with alex cobb i know a lot of smart people are on alex cobb and um, I, i'm with them on that train with you on that train as well the rest of the guys you know i like but it's um, because what he did last year how long does he go this year like he he kind of ruined the chance to be a multi-inning guy this year. like he, he's gonna pitch multiple innings and starts but i mean like 150 plus is where's his cap because he missed so much time last year for being a knucklehead that uh, kind of screwed up the projection for this year. Uh, Steven Matz. Yeah. I've been a Steven Matz guy in the past. If you're, if you're, if your roster dictates, I want a guy that doesn't have a high ceiling, but maybe a good floor. Okay. Steven Matz, but it's like, you go to draft him. I'd rather take, you know, who I know can strike out a ton of dudes and have a potential upside over a Steven Matz. That's just like, Steven Matz is that boring J.A. Happ type who, in the end, or even Wade Miley last year, who lots of quality starts, decent ratios, not a lot of strikeouts. You're just like, well, he did good. I, a, I could see him being more of a 15-team league than a 12-team guy. Let's put it that way. Much more 15 there's 12 where you kind of want a couple safety valves on your roster. Knock on wood, Steven Matz should be that guy, especially in that ballpark with that Cardinals defense. Like He should be a plus there. And then with Aaron Ashby, I'm with you. Like the talent's legit, but they're not starting them in the rotation. When they are, who knows? Like right now, they're actually full. Like in years past with Peralta and other guys, their rotation wasn't really full. So you could see a path where it could come pretty early. Well, for once, we always criticize their bull, their starting rotation. It's kind of full right now. And that makes it tough for Ashby to sneak in there, which is a shame. So yeah, it's pretty much Alex Cobb in this range for me. 76 through 80, Bailey Ober, Cal Quantrill, Herman Marquez, Drew Rasmussen, and Aaron Savale. Yeah, this one's like Bailey Ober, and the rest of it is just disgusting. I don't even want to talk <laughs> about. I don't really want. I don't even want to talk about half of this. You don't have to. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just gonna skip over them because I just they. Ugh. Uh, Bailey Ober, uh, I like. Um, you know, uh, he. Keeps the walk rate super low, which I like a lot. He has home run issues, but he keeps the walk rate low. Um, so I don't mind it. You know, the swing strike rate came on towards the end of last year. Um, you know, he's got a few pitches that he can throw um, and get swings and misses on. And I think he's solidly in there for the rotation. So um, I like Bailey Ober um, a good amount. Uh, yeah, like Quantrill. Like, like I want to I wanna look at this. He improved as the season went on. I'm a Quantrill guy. so Oh, you're a Quantrill I'll, guy? Oh, I Bubba, under, we might I, have well, to. I, I understand the sentiments against oh, it, but man. 
I will I will throw some gauntlets down there once you give your Okay. Uh, All right. Well, let's talk about a sub 10% swinging strike rate. 9.3% came on his walk rate at 12%. Z contact is fine. It's right around the whole season. Just for the whole season. This is for the whole season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll look at I'll look at the end. I don't think it got that much better. Oh, start August on. August on. Just check that. Okay. 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 And then maybe I I mean I'll probably look like a fool now. No, it's and then I'll be like it's not it's not I'll be like I'm gonna draft this guy. Look at that K to walk percentage from then on. Just gonna throw that out there. All right. Hold on one second. All right. What do we got here? So we got eighty five point four percent Z contact over his last ten. O swing right around thirty point nine percent. So he's like league average. Walk rate at twenty three point seven. So he's at least you know, around league average swinging strike rate is at 10.8%. Okay. Okay. Walk rate is at 6.7%. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can see it. I can see why there is some interest. Um, you know, although over the last five, the K rate went down. So I could see maybe why there's interest. Um, I liked him at one point in time during his career. Uh, I am no longer interested in him. However, if you are drafting against me, you can draft him. You will have um, him. What's that? You will have him if you draft you against him. Exactly. <laughs> you will not have to worry about me taking him. Um, Herman Marquez, I just, I don't know. He like was the, like he was bad last year, wasn't he? He had like a stretch where he was good and he finished so bad. Yeah, like so bad. Like I remember pick, four, I picked him up four. in a 12. I picked him up in a 12 and it was awesome. And then it just, I dropped him eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's just so, it's so hard with him. I mean, you look at like last two years, you know, the one, two, seven, one, two, six whip is kind of, eh, you got to navigate the whole court course dynamic, fewer strikeouts than innings pitched, came on his walk rate right around league average, uh, you know, and I think the O swing is going down a little bit in zone contact isn't what it needs to be. Yeah. Not really into it, not feeling it at all. Drew Rasmussen is an interesting one to me. There are some really smart people who are in on Drew Rasmussen, and I just I do not understand it um, at all. I think it was his last eight games. His last eight games were starts. So taking him out of like what he was able to accomplish as a reliever, just a very different dynamic. So check this, check the check these, check these numbers out. Drew Rasmussen, eight game rolling average over his last eight games, which were all starts. His in zone contact rate was 86.7%. Worse than league average, but not like awful. His O swing was at 33.5%. Really nice. So he's not really walking any guys. His K percent was at 16.9%, folks. That's right. Seven, a sub 17% K rate. Cal Quantos was better. Oh, you must be wondering. Oh, well, he must have just gotten unlucky. I'm sure the swinging strike rate was better. Swinging strike rate was 9.1% for Rasmussen. I mean, the walk rate was beautiful at 4.4%, so he still had a 13% K-minus walk rate, but I just I just don't see it. The reason why he was successful last year is that his BABIP during those eight starts was 198 and... His K his home run per fly ball rate during that same stretch was 2.9%. So, I mean, the guy sucks. 
as a starter. <laughs> um, and he just got super lucky. And which isn't to say like he's going to be god awful. You could definitely see him being like a mid threes ERA guy, high threes ERA guy with like very low strikeout rate or whatever. Or maybe he takes the next jump. You know, guys can always do that. But um, yeah, I'm just not into Rasmussen. I, I do not understand um, the love for him. And then Aaron Savale seems like a very nice guy, but he's he's always he's always been um, an arch enemy of mine in the fantasy context. Um, a guy whose success is just absolutely inexplicable to me last year, for instance, three, eight, four ERA one twelve whip because he had a two, four, nine BABIP, a high strand rate, despite a low K rate, a sub 20% K rate, 19.9% came on his walk, 13.7 swing strike rate, 9.4 Z contact 88.3. Ugh. I mean, is there anything skills wise that these guys do? Um, I'm sure this is going to be the group that ends up having like the guys that are the most successful and I'm going to do a walk (laughs) of shame about this or whatever it's called tour of shame, but I just can't stand any of these guys other than Bailey over. Yeah. Bailey over. I'm on board with you with it. There's a lot of smart people that like him, the strikeout upside, the pitch mix changes, the ballpark. Like there's just a lot of improvements we saw with Bailey over that were very, very strong. So I have no problem with, with drafting him. I have a few shares as, as well, but Cal Quantrill, I'm just going to keep saying it, and this is where playing DFS paid off in a big way because he was always cheap, and I'd always just play him because you have those NL, or AL Central matchups, and that's part of this. Like, But again, White Sox, but they had Tigers, A's, Twins, Angels, Boston, Boston, Minnesota, Minnesota, Royals, Royals. So he, he got the job done throwing five or more innings in his last 11 starts, six or more in 10 of 11. Uh, he had 66 Ks and 71 innings pitched. Do you mention the strikeout rates, the walk rates? He had five or more Ks in nine of 11 starts, so almost a K per inning over that stretch, and a lot of it was the pitch mix change. Still gives up too many fly or home runs, eight home runs over that stretch, a home run to fly ball of 11.3%, but there was a, a drastic pitch mix change. The walks improved so much, which allowed him to go deeper into ball games, which was tremendous, and you kind of saw some of that evolution that you've seen in Cleveland before with him. And that's where I'm buying in on potentially, at worst, he maintains what he did last year, which was phenomenal at his ADP. Like, I had him in a ton of places, and at towards the end of the year, it was an automatic just start every week. It was that good with him. Um, at best, he takes that next step that we've seen in development with some of these young pitchers. And that's what I'm hoping for with Cal Quantrill. He's at that point in the draft where it doesn't kill you that I'm willing to take that chance. Like Bailey Ober's great. And we, I think we can see what we can see. Quantrill, we've already seen a really good pitching. Um, Ober's probably better. I'm not going to deny that, but we've seen Quantrill be very good. Um, and I, I, I kind of trust, we talk about the giants. We talk about these other teams that, that maintain pitchers. Let's not forget. It wasn't too long ago. Cleveland was doing the same thing with these guys and they still kind of are. They're not like getting rid of their young pitchers and they're just developing them and bringing them through. So I'm going to buy into Quantrill taking the next step. Um, no Marquez for me, definitely no Rasmussen. I don't understand that at all. I'm with you 100% on that. Like that one confuses me in a big, big way. Like if if anybody was going to mess with him, it would be the Rays. Like he feels like a guy that's going to get yo-yoed all season long. So I, I don't know what the point is there. And no Savali for me. I feel like Savali might have a few more strikeouts, but if I want a Savali type, I'll just draft Adrian Hauser like 100 picks later. Like I'll get that dude and have a, a similar uh, set as well. 81 through 85, Casey Mize, Luis Patino, Steven Strasburg, Carlos Carrasco, and Kyle Hendricks. 
Yeah, another group that I'm not that into. Um, I like the injured guys. Um, Casey Mize, like, I mean, I, I, you know, I hear all the jazz about him throwing the, the splitter more and that being beneficial to him, but none of his pitches, like none of his pitches really played up last year. You know, like um, if you look at his, let's see, his best pitch by swing strike rate was 11.3% his slider. You know, only one, the splitter got chases on pitches outside the zone, but it only had a 10.3% swinging strike rate. So barring like a velocity change or a change in like what those pitches look like, I just don't see it with Mize, um, despite the pedigree. But, you know, development isn't linear. Uh, Patino falls into a similar bag for me. I know he's injured now, but so that, that might be enough to keep people off. Um, he was scratched. Let's see. He's going to be out uh, to schedule. His arm, arm, arm didn't feel right. Yeah, I mean, for him, again, I don't really understand like the hype uh, that much. He had a 11.4% swing strike rate, which is fine. O swing was, was pretty nice. Z contact was fine. But then like K minus walk rate, 13.5%. You know, uh, K percent, um, 22.2% below league average. G- give up, you know, he's got close to 100 innings, 1.4 home runs per nine. Um, walking at a pretty gnarly clip of, uh, you know, well, not gnarly, but like better than league average. His career mark is, is over four walks per nine, you know, striking out less than one guy per inning, you know, and again, a lot of these guys are prospect guys. So it's like you're, you're expecting the non-linear development. You're spending, expecting to kind of hit it big, but I just see too much weakness here. I don't, I don't see a lot of strength. And that high whip that he had, that one two seven whip, was even with a two six five Babbitt um, as well. So I'm not really seeing it um, for our guy Patino. So I was totally out on him. I'm a little sad that he um, that he is injured, not just because he's injured and I don't want him to be injured, but also because uh, I had no interest in drafting him. And that's another guy that somebody else isn't going to draft. Um, Strasburg, you know, again, like if he's healthy, I think he'll be good. He's never been healthy and not good. So I don't mind taking a shot at him right here. And even if you get a hundred innings, if you get 150 innings, like I think there'll be good innings and the nationals are good enough, especially like where you're taking him right here. Carrasco is my favorite of the group. Um, you know, it seems like he's throwing nice. He's the velocities there. You know, we're learning more and more about the injuries that he suffered last year when he was uh, pitching for the Mets. And so again, health is going to be the major issue, but you are getting a massive discount from a guy who not too long ago, you know, was a top, you know, going in the top five, four or five rounds. Um, I mean, really like, you know, he was, he was really good back in 2020, even uh, when he did pitch then. So uh, I, I, I don't mind Carrasco. I like Carrasco. He may be a guy that I'm trying to get, um, He's got some competition in this range though. So we'll see. But yeah, like even last year when he struggled 12.4% swinging strike rate, you know, the K minus walk rate was 13.5%. O swing was still really nice at 34.5. You know, the Z contact went up a little bit, but you know, if he gets that velocity back, like it looks like he has this spring and he is healthy. I have seen no reason why he won't be really good. Um, So I like him. And then Kyle Hendricks, I have not been in on Ken Hendricks. Like, I drafted him last year around like pit 80, like in some drafts. And I think it's just one of those situations where he's a hard guy when he goes sideways, because when he goes sideways, you're like, 
I can't really explain why he's good. So if he's lost this thing that made him good, he's, he's awful. And it could be that he gets back, you know, there was something wrong, but there's not like a velo problem. Like the skills have been kind of, you know, um, uh, getting worse a little bit kind of year after year. And so I just, I'm not into going after him at this point. There are other guys with similar profiles that I'm into more kind of at this, this point uh, in the draft. Yeah, no, it's, it's a group. I'm not a big fan of Casey Mize. No, thank you. Luis Patino, I kind of liked. I didn't have any shares of, but I was, I've kind of been a Patino guy the last couple of years, at least like in fab and whatnot. Cause I like, you mentioned the young pedigree and everything. I like what we were seeing and I'm waiting for the next step, but now with the injury, it's definitely a no-go for me. That's a, that's a scary situation. A lot of that Shane Baz went down as well. Um, you know, Tyler Glassnell's already up. Now he's having ankle surgery. Tampa Bay is all of a sudden, you know, Corey Kluber is their healthiest arm. So that says a lot. Um, Steven Strasburg is funny because at bar, if Toby and I are sitting there having a big old conversation around pick like round 20, 21, 22, whatever it was like, dude, he's still on the board. And like, we know if we get X amount, he's at a hundred innings. He's still like, a, that's a really good hundred innings potentially of Steven because whenever he's out there, he pitches great, but it's just when he's out there, like you said, and then someone took him a few picks before us. So it made that decision a lot easier, but um, he's so tempting. Like all it's, I haven't even seen him pitch in spring yet. If he throws one or two decent outings in the spring, like that last week of drafts, I'll probably end up taking a shot somewhere just because it just, again, 100 innings of Strasburg can be really, really strong, but I'm not there yet. I need to see him actually on a mound doing something. I think the last report we saw is he's had a setback or something. So that's kind of a big uh, oops situation. And then Carrasco, nothing really there for me either. And Hendricks, I think I grabbed my first share last week. I grabbed my first share in a deep league. Um, kind of like the Steven Matz idea, boring. If it doesn't work, I can drop him because now I'm not paying pick 80 for him. I'm picking, paying pick 275 for him, so it's a lot more palatable. And uh, his first start, he did look a lot better. Like the pitches were um, – the, the off-speed pitches were more Hendricks-esque, unlike last season. Now, it's only one start in spring. Obviously, a lot can change. But it was good to see him at least get out there, have the confidence going right out the gate, and a little bit of Hendricks like we've seen in the past now. Where that goes, we shall see. Cubs aren't going to be very good, so don't count on the dubs. But Hendricks was usually that guy, boring ratios, maybe a K per nine, which at pick 275, I can definitely settle with that one. So I'm, I'm interested in him. Strasburg, if I knew he could throw 100-plus innings, I'd be interested. But overall, this area, like I want to be on Carrasco, but I'm really concerned about him too. Like A lot of injury concerns, as you mentioned, in this range that it's tempting, but I'm not really like, in love before the other day i had zero shares of this entire range so i has pretty much skipped right over it 86 through 90 christian javier andrew heaney josiah gray jesus lazardo jameson tyon now this is a range i like quite a bit oh man i have zero of any of Ooh, these guys wow. and Bubba, we really should draft uh side That's by side <laughs> we can uh we can skip over folks um i mean javier is kind of interesting but he's always been a guy who really uh, overperforms i feel like um, so, um, yeah, like that's what it was. It's the O swing that kills me on him. Like he yeah. can't, he can't get swings on pitches outside the zone. He doesn't have a pitch. Uh, he can't really. So he's got an 11.1% walk rate. You know, he's always given up a ton of home runs as well. He's running a 219 BABIP in his 155 innings and an 83.3% strand rate. I don't think those are sustainable. I think that's just like kind of a blow up waiting to happen. I do like the swing strike rate at 13.1% and the K minus walk rate at 18.2%. 
you know, those are really good, but that really high walk rate and the really high home run per uh, home run per nine. And then the super low Babbitt just freaks me, freaks me out. Um, but again, like I can kind of see, um, I can see where people are interested because the strikeout skills are, are really nice, um, from him. Um, Heaney, a lot of smart people like Heaney. Um, a lot of smart people have liked Heaney for the last, I don't know what, five years, six years, mm-hmm. seven years, eight years. I'm not a smart um, person then. <laughs> and what's that? Yeah. So I'm not I a mean, smart person then. he's, he's got the, he's got the, all the skills like he always has. Um, so maybe the, maybe the Dodgers magically fix him, but, um, I won't be, I won't have him on my team to find out Josiah gray. I mean, it's a really interesting area. I feel like this is just like, you know, probably one of these guys will be really good. And then the other ones will just be absolute flameouts who destroy your team. Bingo. Um, but similar situation with Josiah gray. I mean, you've got to love the skills swinging strike rate at 14.1%. You know, nice O swing, decent in the zone at 83% in zone contact rate. But again, like he's walking um, a decent amount of guys. He's not striking out that many guys, which maybe it's just a small sample size luck thing. But even with the Babbitt blow, I mean, he just gives up a ton of home runs. And it could be, again, he's probably not going to give up 2.42, but what does he regress down to? All the projections have him between 1.6 and 1.77. I'm not sure unless you're walking zero guys that that's like a sustainable home run per nine um, level. It's just, it's just tough. So I'm steering clear of Josiah Gray. Jesus Lazardo, like we all heard the hype today after he threw, you know, he was throwing two miles per hour or more. And I think there's good reason for that. I mean, these are the things that I look for when I am looking for like the guy that's going to break out this year is guys who got the velo bump. The problem is, he had the velo bump and he still didn't look that good. I mean, he I, had five I love that tweet. I love that tweet so he, much. He like pouring cold water on it was great. I, well, I didn't want to be I don't want to be like too cynical because But it was a perfectly... great but it but it's a it's a perfect thing people need to pay attention to. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is it's like yeah, and then it's like, "Oh, he had a CSW of 17% and he only, you know, in like the first preseason game, spring training game, he he had five swinging strikes out of thir- out of 47 pitches, I think. So he's slightly above 10% in that regard too. So it's like, and then one of his pitches, I think his Kerbal had a 0% CSW. So he was either not throwing it at all for strikes or was just getting hit. You know, uh, I think it was the slider had a 27% CSW, which is, which is all right. But it's like, if everything else like can't manage to get, swings and misses. I mean, just monitor him if he's still got that velo. And one thing that you want to do too, I think in, in looking at these velo readings and I didn't do it for the Marlins game, which I, which I should, I I normally take a look at these like later on. I actually have the Marlins game right here so I can look at it. But I also like to look at how other guys did who were also pitching in the game. Was it a hot gun? Yeah. Was it a hot gun? So it doesn't look like it here. Like Lazardo's plus two and then Blyer's like minus for days. But then again, Zach pop was up 3.1% on his slider. Armstrong was, up, you know, so, but some guys were down. So I'm sure it's, it's accurate, relatively accurate readings, but just something that I like to be, you know, kind of monitoring and, and kind of cognizant of, but the, the bump in velo is nice. That's one of the things that can really change a guy's projections, but you know, let's see him actually pitch well. Um, 
you know, from a skills perspective before we anoint him as, as the chosen one for the next Robbie Ray. <laughs> oh, yeah. and then J- Jameson Tyone, I'm not really interested in. Um, yeah, Tyone. For, me, for me, this region is interesting. Like Christian Javier, I love just because I like the strikeout upside. The O swing is terrifying. Like, I'm with you there. And but I was just thinking, okay, I, I had little shares here and there in DCs because he's going super late. His ADP has actually risen to this point since the Lance McCullers news. He was going probably another 40, 50 picks past this at one point in time. But um, you know, when McCullers went down, even Rossi Resource had him as their as the SP five in Houston. But then Dusty Wagner today, Astros fan, pays attention to a lot of Astros things. He's tweeting out uh, after Jake Odorizzi's two innings today that that's their SP five, and I asked him why. And he made a very valid point. A lot can, and he admitted a lot can change. But this is how he's looking at it from what he's seen with Dusty Baker in the past. Odorizzi got the start. Javier came in in relief. Dusty Baker's old school, and that's like showing you he wants Odorizzi to start games. Is what it is. We'll see. One start, a lot can change. But that that logic made sense to me. So if you do want an Astros pitcher, Odorizzi's going super late. I don't want Jake Odorizzi. I wanted Javier for the strikeouts. That's what I wanted because he uh, got like 130 Ks in 106 innings or something last year, 110 innings. It was crazy. So I'm all aboard that train. I'll still have some shares, but it's not as uh, fun at this moment. Andrew Heaney, it's one of those if it's super late, I'm comfortable with my pitching. I'm willing to take the chance because one thing I've mentioned many times, one of my biggest issues last year was racking up strikeouts. Well, regardless of how many home runs Heaney gives up, he will strike out the farm. That's what he will do. And if the Dodgers can just tweak something, maybe make something work, plus pitching in the NOS, a lot of good ballparks to pitch in, maybe we see – and there's some bad teams in the, in the NOS. Like there's a couple teams just saying, we're done. Let's just make it work. Um, there's a path to seeing Heaney work 100%. So, again, not fortunate, but when it's like the last you know three, four rounds in a 12-teamer, and I got you know six seven starters at least already. Um, I I'm willing to take that chance with Andrew Heaney. Sketchy part is either today or a couple days, maybe yesterday. Uh, the Dodgers game was on MLB Network, which is by the way great to have. I have a game on right now, a replay. It's like back to the old days. This is phenomenal. But um, I don't know what I didn't see how it went earlier in the game. But I looked up. It was the eighth inning. Andrew Heaney was on the mound. Don't know how to read that one. That's usually not a good thing. Usually not a is good that thing. Today? But- it was either today or yesterday. I'd have to, I'd have to check, but like the seventh or eighth inning, and Andrew Heaney was on the bump. So I don't know if it was just a game where, you know, uh, Dave Roberts was getting a couple, everybody a couple innings, or what was going on. I have no idea, but that was a big like, hmm, that's interesting. Eighth inning is kind of way out of whack for spring training. So something oh, to man. monitor going forward. Yeah, Heaney, Heaney got roughed up. Yeah, I saw roughed a bunch of tweets up. on Twitter, so I, I just two like point, had it on two point one innings pitched, five earned runs. One home run, losing he's, he's, pitcher. He's, he's in preseason. He's in midseason form. Beautiful, beautiful. For sure. Uh, Josiah Gray, same thing as kind of Christian Javier. And what we loved is when the Nationals got him, they just let him go. If he's going to pitch innings, he's probably going to get you one thirty to one forty, maybe one fifty if you're lucky, which is phenomenal at this point in the draft. Strikeout stuff's great. Just got to keep the ball in the ballpark. We'll see how that adjustment gets made as he gets better because that division is tough, tough division. So there's going to be some rough nights for Josiah Gray, but some also really good ones. No Luzardo for me. I'm going to miss out on that train if he hits. But uh, like, it was nice to see today's stuff. It was nice to see like his last start of the season last year. There was also a lot before that that was not nice to see. So like, I, I got to see some some more improvements. The dude's legit. If you want to take the gamble late, I get it. 
I'd rather take a gamble on Andrew Heaney, who we've seen have a year or two be really good, and he's going to a better team where Lizardo still has a lot of work to do type deal. And then Tyon is a no for me is because there's so many mixed reports on what his health really is. Like I don't, I can't tell if he's healthy, if he's still like coming back, like what's going on. So I'm just out on Tyon. All right. 91 through 95. You say Kikuchi, Tony Gonsolin, Lance McCullers, Jr. Zach Ranke, Eric Lauer. Yeah. One, one thing on, on Tyon that I think is a challenge with him is, he made a massive shift in his pitch mix last year. He used to be a, sl- a sinker first guy and he went with the four seam fastball. And I think the problem with that is he just gives up so many home runs. His home run per fly ball rate last year was under 13% and he still gave up 1.5 home runs per nine. Um, so I think that's just going to always be kind of an issue with him. Um, in this, in this range, uh, Kikuchi, like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Jays are smart, but I just, I was in, I I was in on Kikuchi last year. I wasn't in that much, but like, I just can't really see it. He gives up so much hard contact. Um, I just, I can't do it. I can't see him. I just can't, I can't do it with Kikuchi. Um, like he walks a lot of guys and when it goes bad, it just goes so bad for him. That's a bad division to go bad too. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm sorry, but I just, I can't do it. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, Tony Gonsolin, not really interested anymore. doesn't look like they're really going to give him even a shot, um, to be in the rotation barring some injuries. So along the way, like he's the type of guy, like in a DC where I don't mind him because when he's in he's in and i feel like um that's nice but you know uh i think a lot of the stuff that i've seen has tyler anderson is potentially the sp5 there which is which is interesting um lance mccullers not touching that uh zach granke i like i like granke i'm a little bummed that he ended up with the royals just from the wins perspective because mm-hmm. you know prior to his injury last year granke was actually having a very good season and he had a lot of wins and then he got injured and he came back and he just wasn't the same guy. He got absolutely destroyed. And I had him in, in a few places, which was, which was unfortunate, but I, I love where he's going uh, costs, you know, from a draft perspective, just, you know, here's a guy who has been consistently in the top, you know, like 100 uh, guys. Um, and he's there and he's back where he feels comfortable. He's in the AL central. He's in a good pitcher's park. So that's really, really nice. I really like Eric Lauer. Um, you know, I was in on him last year, so I had him in a decent amount of places. Actually, I dropped him before he went on that, um, that, that strong finish, which was, um, suboptimal, I would say. But, um, you know, this year I like, wasn't that into him earlier on in the draft season. And then I kind of like took a little bit of a look under the hood and I was intrigued because I saw, you know, an improvement in skills, um, an improvement in velo, a little bit of a pitch mix change. So over his last 10, that end zone contact rate was at 83.1%. So better than league average. O swing is up at 32.2%, better than league average. K rate was at 24.7, walk rate at seven. You know, so it's like 17 plus percent um, K minus walk rate, which is really nice. And then that swinging strike rate was up at 11.4%. Um, and I believe, I want to say like, he, you know, he was coming back from being unhealthy for the previous season. I want to say that his fastball below improved. Yeah, it did improve. Um, as the season progressed, it was up about a half a tick. 
Um, you know, so, and then the Brewers are nice. That division's nice. I like the matchup. So he's been a guy that I've been, uh, I've been kind of going after a little bit, um, in drafts. So definitely the guy that I like the most out of that, out of that group. Yeah. It's, it's an f- interesting group. That's why the best way I'll put it. Cause Kikuchi, I'm with you. I was all over him last year too. And it started out great for us. It started out really good for us. And then it was a roller coaster ride. Some good, a lot more bad. And it was just, it was a tough go. I want to say it's worth buying back in on because we've seen how they've, you know, they fixed, um, you know, Robbie Ray and stuff there in Toronto. They improved the defense on the left side, which will help Kikuchi out. I'm still scared because, like you said, his big problem is walks that turn into blowups. And that doesn't matter what your defense is. And so, but see, that was Robbie Ray's problem too. I'm not saying at all that Kikuchi's Robbie Ray, but just a slight tweak to the better could be worth the ADP. I'm not on Kikuchi, but. I'm more intrigued in Toronto than I was in Seattle. Let's put it that way. Um, Tony Gonsolin, I love, but the fact that they went and signed Tyler Anderson, Danny Duffy, all this other stuff, it's like, okay, what are we doing again here? Like, the dude's really, really good, but just put him in the rotation. Right now, like, roster resource doesn't have him there. doesn't mean he's not in the rotation. Like, that could change. Like, honestly, Gonsolin's better than Tyler Anderson. I don't care who you talk to. So, We'll see what the Dodgers end up doing, but maybe they just want him more as a long man out of the pen. Maybe that's just what they want. Or the typical Dodgers fashion, once they start using the DIL, we'll see him still get 15 starts just scattered throughout the season. We'll see how it goes, but uh, makes that tough to roster. Um, no Lance McCullers. I, I'm bummed because I love Lance McCullers, but I don't know how much he's going to pitch at all this year. It, it sounds bad. Like every time a new report comes out, now it's a PRP injection. It's like all this stuff. It's just a bad deal. Um, Zach Ranky. Like you said, at his ADP now, it's more palatable. Um, the the ratios still aren't as great as they once were. Low fours, which at this ADP is not bad, I guess, because it's pretty steady. But the strikeouts are gone. So you're hoping he gets long and gets wins. I love the move more so for the other Royals pitchers to become better fantasy players <laughs> because his mindset, his veteran leadership, I think can help these kids a lot. And uh, that seems more intriguing to me. So probably no Granky for me either. And Eric Lauer, if you want to, he was big last year, helped me out in some spots because you put me on him last year. So if you want to go there again, I get it. But overall, this range, I'm not like in love in love with anything. 96 to 100, Corey Kluber, Tyler McGill, Marco Gonzalez, Nick Pavetta, and Nestor Cortez Jr. Holy heck. Uh, Not really in on Kluber, just injury stuff. Um, Rays are obviously really smart, so maybe they'll get the best out of him. Tyler McGill is really interesting. Um... You know, there's some smart people who are on him. He had some nice skills uh, last year. And I think uh, one thing that I really liked that I saw early in spring training is he was throwing for the Mets. I think he threw out through like over 40 pitches his first time out there, which was encouraging just for like from a volume perspective. And, and then Taiwan Walker's injured. And so he may have an opportunity there. But yeah, skills wise, 12.1% swinging strike rate, 90% K minus walk. O swing is meh, but Z contact is better than league average. So he's got most of the skills kind of down there. He's got the pitch mix as well. And then his velo was up um, in spring training. I think it was up a mile per hour. So definitely an interesting guy there. Um, Like Marco Gonzalez as well. I think there's a few of these guys here that are kind of nice whip alternatives, like lower whip alternatives, maybe similar to your kind of Kyle Hendricks um, in that respect. Not going to get you a ton of Ks, but uh, should help you out in whip and potentially in ERA. And Gonzalez is one of those guys was better second half of the year. Um, Pavetta was also better down the stretch, um, looked really good. He did um, 
uh, yeah, he looked, re- he looked really good down the stretch. Um, I know he had a good first outing, um, this year, but I was a little bit disappointed when I looked under the hood because the Velo wasn't up and it actually didn't, wasn't like that impressive from a skills perspective, but I still, um, I still like him. Uh, and then Cortez, I also, I have a couple, a couple, um, of him, um, and yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's fine. Like he had really nice skills down the stretch as well. Like the, this group is kind of like the finished really strong group last year. Um, and so I like Cortez as well. Um, like this group, uh, a decent amount for sure. Yeah. I'm with you. Like Kluber, I have a couple DCs just for the chance that I know he'll have his chances to, you know, go Waka, which at times last year was very good with the Rays. Go give me five innings. He'll get his strikeouts. Don't get crushed. You might run into a win. Like he's going to get those. Not so much in love with him for like a, a fab league, but for those kind of DC formats, I liked him for that. Um, Tyler McGill with the talk already of the new pitch, the uh, the increased velocity, lots to love. Like there's already a lot to like about him, but he had some home run issues towards the end of last year, but still pitched really well, still had good strikeouts. And it's like one of those things that I like to see. Like he already gets to listen to DeGrom. Now he gets to listen to Scherzer too. And Scherzer likes to talk to the kids. Like he like you've seen him on other teams, really kind of take them under his wing. I think McGill's going to learn a thing or two. Plus, you got Carrasco there too. Like, there's a lot of veterans in that bol- in, the, in that clubhouse that's going to help McGill become a better pitcher and a better player. So, I think he's a very intriguing pick. So he's starting to get trendy, so that ADP is going to climb. So keep that in mind for that last spring training uh, outing. Marco, I don't mind him. I don't think I have any shares this year. In the past, I used to grab some Marco, but nothing for me yet. I have a lot of Pavetta just for the appeal of the strikeouts. Huge strikeout arm. Huge strikeout arm. Plus, the skills, like you mentioned, showed some nice improvements last year. It's still Pavetta. We know it can happen, potentially. But what if he, just what if, he kind of goes that Eovaldi route with Boston? Like, that would be, because we've seen the good good metrics with Pavetta. We've also seen the ugly with Pavetta. Let's try to put, like, a little more of the good into this one, and we can see some real big things. So, I'm a fan of of Nick Pavetta at this ADP. And then Nestor Cortez, I love. I'm actually... I'm actually shocked at his ADP being this low this long. Like I figured after last season being a Yankee, he'd be moving up the board, but maybe there's talks of, you know, will he have a rotation spot? He's locked into a rotation spot now. We got that innings. You know, he might only throw like 130, 140, but the 100th pitcher off the board, that's fine. He's very efficient, very, very efficient on the mound. Strikeouts were good. Going to get the dubs. I think he's a great late-round pick. So I like this range as well with you. My main guys are Cortez and Pavetta. I have a lot of shares of them on my rosters, but I really don't mind anybody in this range. If I had to pick someone not, I'd probably say Kluber is number five for me just because I don't think he's going to be a, a workhorse type. But, hey, maybe we start seeing a five to six inning every outing type guy, and you never know what you run into. So it could be a, a fun scenario potentially. All right, my question for you now, Toby. We've gone over an hour. Do you want to save relief pitchers for next week or run through them now? Um, we why don't we run through them now quickly? Because only because I get back from Vegas on Monday, so it's gonna okay. be tough. Okay. Maybe. All right. Uh week. relief relief pitcher strategy. I think we've talked about this before, but are you going heavy early? You're gonna wait on pit, uh, relievers like last year. What's your plan? Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I think just the way that the closer situations roll out, like, you know, the guys, um, essentially like Hader, Hendricks, Iglesias, Classe, 
Presley and Diaz and now probably Jansen with a little bit of Romano as well. Um, those are the guys that kind of I'm interested in getting. And it's always just, especially heading into the mains and not really knowing where those guys are going to go. It's a little bit challenging, like, cause part of you doesn't want to wait and see if, if they come back around to you. Um, I think the difference between a DC and the main is I really want to get one of those very good guys. I don't mind being on the waiver wire later in the season looking for saves. I think that that's something that's possible and feasible. So I don't mind doing that too much. What I just don't want to do is strike out like I did last year on it. And so I think taking one of those higher up guys, the guys that are going to give you the really good ratios, theoretically, um, in addition to those saves and being you know really locked into those roles, um, I can definitely see myself grabbing one closer early and then maybe a couple later speculations or like a middle round guy to make sure that I have those two locked in. Um, but it depends on how that kind of starting pitching fills out and the hitting fills out as well. So don't mind grabbing one of those guys, even in like the second round for say, um, you know, as long as they're kind of like the upper echelon guys, but um, you know, also don't mind going as far back as kind of Romano and um, hoping that you grab him in like the fourth or fifth round, probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going. I'm, I'm going to just kind of stick to the fab approach, fab league approaches instead of the DCs where we kind of had to go early on the scenario. But I don't mind. Like, I'm not going to push for a Liam Hendricks or a Josh Hader in like the second round. I think that's a little a little much for what I like to do. But I like the Classe, um, Iglesias, Diaz. I'm starting like Jansen range. I can go there. But again, I have no problem like you waiting until like Taylor Rogers um, and that and that section and then taking some specs later. I guess it depends on your roster build, like you said, but like an ideal world, it's give me like a class a or an Edwin Diaz pair him with like Taylor Rogers. And let me walk away. Like that's like the ideal world for me or Kenley Jansen and Taylor Rogers kind of get two of those guys before like the first 15 are off the board. And that'd be awesome. But uh, that's tough at times. Cause I'm not the only one with that idea. And that makes things kind of challenging, but that's kind of where I would go as well in this scenario. So let's go through, some of these, uh, we're going to go through the top 15 relievers going off the board in NFPC OCs right now. The top five, Josh Hader, Liam Hendricks, Rysel Iglesias, Emmanuel Classe, and Ryan Presley. How do you approach these five? Um, Probably Hader one, I think. Um, I've gotten both him and Hendricks when I've had the first shot at a closer or the second shot at a closer. Um, Iglesias firmly in third for me. Um, I do like Classe. I might go Diaz over Classe just because of the team context um, being better. I think Classe has absolutely phenomenal skills, um, but um, I just worry that that team is not going to be a very good team. Um, I just worry about that. Presley, I have not drafted him yet. I, I'm not sure why, um, but I haven't, which may be a mistake. Um, Chapman, you know, is fine. He was really good towards the end of last he's, he's, year. He's in, he's in the next group. We just did one through five. Oh God. Sorry. Sorry. I'm getting uh, ahead of myself. No problem. We'll just do, we'll just do one for five. Sorry about that. Like ideally I want Liam Hendricks, but like I said, I don't feel like paying for him in DCs. I have a ton of Liam Hendricks. Like I was willing to pay the, to pay the piper on him, but, uh, outside of that, I'm, I'm not going to have any. So it's, I've, I've stumbled upon a lot of Emmanuel class a in like round four is my wheelhouse. He's starting to get pushed up, which makes it trickier as well. I love Rysel Iglesias, but I've seen some very competitive leagues 
recruits into round two, and that's just too rich for my blood. Like, and I love Rysel Iglesias, but um, that's just not going to happen. So it's pretty much class A for me. I don't have a lot of Presley either. I'm with you. I'm like, I don't really know why, but I guess it's more so the next grouping. I'd rather have over Presley, which maybe is just an oversight. He's on the Astros. They're going to win a bunch of games. He was very good last year. They do have some nice uh, closers and waiting in Houston, so a lot can change there if Presley stumbles. But he's pretty darn elite right now, and that's why he's going so high. But for me, Clossley is the one I'm pretty much honing in on if I can't get Hendricks, but at a value, which just doesn't happen anymore. He's going to – I can't wait to see the main event ADPs where Hendricks is like pick 16 or something. It's going to be crazy watching him and Hater because those two go kind of back and forth in ADPs on when they come off the board, depending on what league you're in. People either love Hater or love Hendricks. That's just the way it goes, and we'll see how it plays out uh, as uh, main events take place this weekend. Uh, six through ten, you got Edwin Diaz, Aroldis Chabon, Kenley Jansen, new Atlanta Brave, Jordan Romano, and Giovanni Gallego still hanging around that top ten. Toby, yeah, uh, I like Diaz of this group. Um, Chapman is also good. You know, he was really good towards the uh, end of last year, so don't see a reason why he won't continue that. And the Yankees should be fine, good enough. Uh, Jansen, I like him. I know he had some walk rate issues. You know, last year he is moving to a new situation, but. You know, he was also uh, he was also really solid, especially down the stretch. I feel like and Will um, Smith had like thirty seven saves last year or something in Atlanta. So yeah. Kenley's going to have a lot of chances for sure. So, like with Kenley, yeah. So the swinging strike rate was at fifteen percent. He had a really high walk rate at twelve point nine percent, but you know his O swing was at thirty four point six. His zone was at forty four point seven. He did fall behind batters a little bit more, but is that something that we're going to like continue to see? I guess it's three, four, five. I guess it's one, two, three, four. I guess it's four consecutive seasons of increasing walk rate. And he did have the super low BABIP. So you can see why people are maybe a little bit concerned there, but I, I don't mind it. I mean, he still had a whip of 104 and a 222 ERA last year with 38 saves. And I would be surprised if he you know, didn't necessarily have something, um, similar, uh, Romano. I like as well. I think he's really good. A little bit of health concerns for me, but I think he has the role Gallegos. I'm concerned about just because they say that, you know, they're going to kind of take a different approach to the bullpen. It seems like they're going to be a lot more analytically driven this year. They've talked about using platoons more. They've talked about using more of a committee or using Gallegos as like the high leverage guy. Um, Jeff Zimmerman had uh, a quote, um, from the Cardinals and one of his mining the news is, and I've been surprised that, that Gallegos hasn't fallen back a little bit, although he's a phenomenal reliever. I mean, he's really, really good. Melanson. I'd be like, stay in the hat. We're good. Oh, Six God. through 10. Six through 10. Sorry. Um, I'm just so fired up about closers. Relievers. Yeah. You just want to like, you want to close the door on this. I get it. Um, Edwin Diaz. I like, I like it. People kind of like, you know, last year was whiffy, wishy-washy on him, but uh, he was pretty darn good. And I think his team's going to be even better with the Scherzer addition to that, that uh, starting lineup or rotation. So Edwin Diaz, I don't mind. Like, again, if you can't get one of the top fives, Edwin's a, a fair, fair uh, closer one in my book. I don't, I am fading a role as Chapman this year. I could be crazy. Uh, strikeouts are fine, but um it's one of those things he has to run pure. With the Yankees, you usually run pure. He's gotten 30-plus saves, which is great. But he's only going to throw 50 to 55 innings. Unlike some of these other closers, they're going to bulk it for you. They're going to get a lot of lot of work in there. Where uh, Aroldis won't. They baby him. They give him time off. They use their other relievers. I guess it's a blessing and a curse that they have. But Chapman's had that kind of up-and-down season last year. Like you mentioned, he finished very strong. But 
I'm just ready for that to kind of really hit a hit a wall pretty soon where he'll still be good, but is he the seventh reliever off the board good? And that's where I'm I'm torn on Chapman. So I've been fading Chapman and been going with guys like Kenley Jansen. Love Jordan Romano. Like I love Kenley in his location. I've always been a Kenley guy. I had him rostered everywhere last year and people are freaking out about him. Um, the walk rate increasing does stink. 100% with you, but he still looks great. He had those outings when he had to in those big, big games. Velocity was back. The movement was filthy. Like he, he showed up when it mattered the most and still had an overall great fantasy stat line. So Kenley's fine. Love Jordan Romano. And I've been off of Giovanni Gallegos all season. I, I guess because I don't know what St. Louis is doing. I'm just not a fan of what they're doing. You said it best. He's a really, really good reliever, but we don't know if he's going to be closing. And that was the, like back to first pitch Arizona when um, Paul Sporer took him super early and I was heckling him from across the room. That was my argument. It's like, you don't even know he's closing and you took him like in round six or whatever you took him in. So it's just tricky with Gallegos. Very, very good. Not sure he's going to get the saves. And that's the conundrum. 11 through 15, you got Melanson, Corey Kniebel, Blake Trinan moving up in a hurry. Scott Barlow and Taylor Rogers. Yeah, um, so Melanson, I would stay so far away from Mark Melanson. It is ridiculous. Um, I think in his first spring training, I mean, again, it's first start of spring training. He was down three miles per hour on his velocity, like down from like 90, 91. I think he was in the high 80s. He got, I think, zero. He either had, I want to say, I think he had zero swinging strikes in like 20 pitches or like 15 pitches. And I think his CSW was like in the single digits or something like that. Like just, it's a bad situation. He's probably not going to get a lot of saves on the D-backs. He's incredibly mediocre. And I know he just had a phenomenal season with the Padres, but that's a good way to like, just be like, okay, I got what I could out of Melanson and, and I'm kind of moving on famous last words. I uh, love Corey Kniebel. I think he, see, I think he's got the gig in Philly. Nothing, none of the changes that they've made make me concerned about that. And I think Girardi has kind of, as long as he has a competent closer has always gone that route. And I think Kniebel is a really good pitcher. So he's the guy that I kind of like the most out of this group. Trinan, I, I, you know, Trinan's really good, but I also don't think he's going to be the guy. I mean, they've talked pretty explicitly about him being kind of the fireman and, and, um, using a bunch of guys, Daniel Hudson arguably had a better season than he did last year. I've been all over Daniel Hudson. Um, I have him in like 75% of my DCs or more, I think something like that. So, and again, I don't think anybody's will probably get the bulk there, but you know, there'll be a few guys that get 10 to 15, um, you know, which I think will be, which won't be bad as long as they have like, you know, decent rate ratios and you're moving them in and out as you, as you see fit for the, um, for ratios and stuff. Uh, Barlow, you know, again, are they going to go back to him? I mean, they should, he's probably the best pitcher in that bullpen, but there's so many guys that they, they moved around for saves, um, at the end of last year that it's, it's less like, you know, he's, he, he's the best guy, but it's like, man, I mean, like what's our certainty that he's going to be the closer. And I just hate using a pick at this point in the draft, especially having kind of gotten guys earlier too, like having to go on, you know, something where I just don't think the, the guys are, I'm not sure if they've got the role or not. Maybe we'll get more clarity there. Similar feelings around Taylor Rogers. I mean, it feels like he's always supposed to be the guy, but has he ever put together a full season where he's been the closer on their team. It feel like he got like the first half of 2019 and then, you know, um, 
and then like a bit of 2020 and then the first part of last year, but then he kind of lost it. I mean, maybe I'm lying, but uh, what did, what do you, what has he gotten? Oh, he did get 30 saves in 2019. Yeah. So maybe it was, he, he took over then. And then he had nine in 2020 and then nine in 2021. So, you know, and again, like, I think he's pretty, I think he's pretty good. Um, he's another guy where, you know, he had a really good results related initial spring training outing, but the skills weren't that good. The velo was down. Didn't really get many swinging strike rate strikes. I don't think he got a really good CSW either, which again, like it means relatively nothing in the grand scheme of things, but just things that I've noticed recently. Yeah. It's a good range. Like Melanson, I liked about two months ago when we knew about six closers that had a job. So like, it worked in that scenario. Now I think I'm good. I'll pass on that one dog. So I'm with you there, but Corey Knebel, especially with the signings going elsewhere and Kimbrel, the only kind of wild card left, but they've made enough signings there where it looks like they're out of the Kimbrel sweepstakes as well. It kind of locks him into the closing role, which makes me feel very good. Like I love Corey Knebel and I like to see him uh, get that job. So I have no problem. People drafting him, uh, trying in. I'm with you. Like the dude's good, but there's, they flat out said that it gets not a one man gig, which if that's the case at his ADP, I'll pass. It's just the way because his ADP keeps rising, so it's it's a, every day it's a it's a new chump up the ADP list. Um, Scott Barlow, I'm with you. I got a guy I like to pick later in in drafts called Josh Stolmont that I'm a big fan of that I'd rather take my chances on because I've said my reasons before. We might see him again later. And then Taylor Rogers, I'm in on just for the fact that uh, this team's much better now. He's going to be the dude unless they gets traded, which they spent all this money, so I don't think he's going to get traded anymore. But maybe they do. Jorge Alcala is a beast. Like he's an awesome, awesome reliever that could uh, usurp him. But you know, last year he had some injury thing issues and still put up a decent stat line when all things were said and done. And he couldn't really overtake Colome, which I guess is a, a bad thing. But uh, Colome is also a good pitcher, which we've talked about before. Doesn't get the love, at least for me, doesn't get the love he deserves. But um, Taylor Rogers, I, I'm a fan of the strikeouts. I'm a fan of the ground ball rate, the ratios, pitching on a good team in a very bad division. He's gonna. He should, barring losing his job, walk into 20, 25 plus saves and get you good ratios. Yeah, that's even if he gets traded. So I think he's gonna have a good run, and and I'll take my chances with him at his ADP right now. It's the fifteenth relief pitcher off the board. Okay, who are some later round targets you're looking at at the relief pitcher position? Oh man, later round targets. Oh man. Um gosh. Uh Daniel Hudson was one guy that I mentioned. Um I've been getting him in a lot of DCs. Uh, honestly, it's just like straight up speculation. It's like Emilio Pagan on the Padres, or you know, um, you're not a, you're uh, not a Suarez guy. Well, I mean, I saw like some quotes about him, but I mean, he wasn't even striking out like a guy in inning, like in in Japan. I think I, so I've like, had trouble understanding the love too. I'm with you. That's why I wanted to ask. Like some people like hardcore into it's his gig. And I'm like, Pierce Johnson's good. The gone's good. Like how's it just all of a sudden Suarez's his job? Yeah. I don't mind Kittredge either. Um yeah. it's a little hard to take him there, but I mean I, I think the Rays get a little bit um I think they get a little like over like everybody thinks it's like the Rays bullpen, but they've definitely been consistent in going to to guys for stretches of time. It's just, they've, those guys have gotten injured or, you know, things have, things have kind of happened. So I don't mind Kittredge there. Um, you know, like, I mean, the Marlins still haven't signed anybody else. So maybe, 
I don't know. It's really hard to spend like a pick there though. That's one of the things that I'm trying to do strategically is like, I don't like wasting picks right there because generally the hitters are still pretty good. And that's like the last little bit, like in those like early two hundreds, mid two hundreds, even late two hundreds. Like that's kind of the last spot where you're getting some hitters that you feel pretty good about having everyday plate appearances and being contributors on your team where maybe you can be like, this is a steals guy, or this is a home run guy, or this is a batting average guy or whatever it is that you're looking for in a, in a particular profile. So I'm trying to actually stay away from speculating at that point in the draft and speculate at the very end Um, with the guys where it's like a yes or no decision on whether I want to go after them or not. Um, And so, you know, again, like any, any situation where there isn't a definite closer, I'll just speculate on a guy. And if it's not him, then it's not him. And I move on like after a week, you know? So that's kind of how I'm handling the speculative pieces mostly. Yeah. I like that. I like the Kittredge call because I don't think he gets the, the proper love he deserves, as you mentioned. Uh, Josh Stallman's a guy I have a lot of shares of just because Scott Barlow's good, but Kansas City will mix things up. And Stallman was going to be the closer last year. He came out and talked about how he got COVID during spring last year. Never really felt good until later in the season. Um, I, I expect things to bounce back in a good way for Stallman because he was a beast. So I think he's interesting. Um, if you want to spec on Michael Fulmer, I don't hate that either because uh, I like, like I've taken my fair share of Soto shares, but I'm also very aware that I'm probably going to have to give up those Soto shares as well. But in the, in the National League, I've been seeing myself gravitate to Rowan Wick a lot more, um, talking to like Jewett and Roof and everything. Like I think Michael Givens is awesome. They assigned him. But Rowan Wick, the, the Cubs really want to see what they have with Rowan Wick, which kind of gives me a, okay, he's got a longer leash. I'm intrigued. And I'm taking him in like round 28 of a 12-team league. So, again, not crushing me at all. He's like my third or fourth closer, um, literally an easy drop if things go south real quick. So he's intriguing to me. Um, I still don't mind Alex Colomay. I know he's in Colorado, but I think he's that good. Um, mm. You can spec on any Cincinnati guy if you want, but I, that's, a, that's a roller coaster ride. But the other guy I wanted to mention that I have a ton of shares of, because I won't mention everybody here, but um, if you look at my my team shares page, um, Chris Stratton. Chris Stratton of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Mm. Like I know Bednar is the guy, and they want to give him the run. But I think they want to give him the run so they can trade him. That's just the way I see it. Stratton, to me, was the better pitcher last year. Toby, I know, was on Chris Stratton last year. Um, yeah, it, hurt. Uh, yeah, but then like after you dropped him, they put him in almost the role you were looking for, and he pitched phenomenally. Yeah, and it's it's like, and that's what he should be doing again this year if Bednar just gets out of the way. So like I love him in DCs. I guess in in Fab leagues it's tricky because it might be a couple months before he gets his chance. But there's gonna be a uh, there's gonna be a moment where he gets his shot and he may not relinquish it. Like that's just the way I see Chris Stratton. So if, you don't have to draft him per se. Like I said, I try to talk Fab here, but. He's a guy I'd definitely put on my radar if you can, or just pay attention in spring and maybe something happens. He's going to be a fun one because even bad teams get saves. Just remember that. So the Pirates have always been a bad team that gets you like 30. Like they run into a lot of closers with like 30 ish saves. It's really weird how they, because bad teams just don't blow teams out. <laughs> it's just the way it works. So uh, keep them in mind. All right. Got a couple listener questions and then we'll head on out of here as we flew through levers. Good call. Good call. Went right through that one. Um, I think we have two questions. Let me see here. Uh, no, we have three questions. Okay. Drew at Fru underscore Dorte. Which post pick 250 SP do you feel comfortable putting in your starting lineup right away? Um, like, i.e. Tony DiScalfani that gets off to a fast start. So who's like your favorite post 250 guy that you're going to roster right out the gate? Here, let me. And I got OC. I, but you can I mean, whatever you want. Like Bailey Ober's right there for you. 
Uh, Ober's there. Lauer's there. Um, probably right. Yeah. yeah, he's there. Yeah, I mean those those two. I like them. I mean, again, like if Carrasco's healthy, you know, which it looks like he is, then I wouldn't mind him. I mean, honestly, like, you know, when you're drafting pitchers in the 250, you're kind of planning on starting most of them, I think. Yeah, um, at least when I draft, that's like my SP5, probably. SP mm-hmm. could be my SP4, though, um, depending on how the rest of my draft has gone. Um, so, yeah, I think all those guys are guys that I'm kind of comfortable going in to the season having in my having in my rotation like 75% of the time based on matchups. Yeah, there's a, there's a few more. I'll add Nestor Cortez to that list. He's a guy I'll probably if I've drafted him, he'll be pitching out the gate. Like that's gonna happen. Uh Ben Tid, breaking Ben underscore T. Toby, I know you're a big proponent of looking at fastball velocity in the spring for pitchers. If someone's throwing drastically faster, you say you pay attention to that. But if someone's velo is down, do you react as much in the opposite manner? Because sometimes guys just aren't in shape yet. So basically, how do you how do you yeah. differ in the velocity situation? Yeah, I'm really looking for dramatic changes. So if a guy's like three miles per hour down or something like that, and again, it's something you track throughout the course of the season, but it's a little bit of a worry for me. Like the Melanson, you know, thrown was like definitely like a whoa. Like I wasn't into him to begin with, and so maybe it's just confirmation bias, but you know, that freaks me out a little bit, but again, like if it's, you know, these kind of veteran guys, like, you know, they, that kind of know their bodies well and they kind of ramp it up, you know, I know they were talking about Liam Hendricks and he was down, but you know, they were just talking about like how the intensity is so much lower and that really, you know, helps him out in particular. So he's, he's, his velo is down in spring. So you just kind of do your best, but I kind of look towards the extremes. And so like, I mean, today, like Lazardo is a really good example. A guy who's like plus two miles per hour on every single one of his pitches, like a pretty good indication that he's working, that he's working above what his previous velo was. One thing to always be cognizant of is like a lot of times you'll hear people say like, um, you know, like he hit 97 or he topped out at 97. And it's like um, Jeff Zimmerman has always said like, you know, whatever they top out at, go down three miles per hour. And that's probably what they were sitting at. So don't get fooled by things like that. You know, look at the stack cast measurements, you know, the stack cast metrics. And, and I do think that's a really good thing to just see those guys that can kind of take it to the next level because the ways pitchers get better generally, like, I don't think there are generally dramatic changes in like their command or their control. It's really like increasing their fastball velocity, particularly at certain bands of velocity really makes their stuff play up and that's what they need to have happen is to increase you know the swinging strike rate on their fastball and then that's going to increase the swinging strike rate on the slider or the curve or the change up or whatever or a pitch mix change and so being able to recognize those guys like i think there's a couple guys that we mentioned where maybe they could go a different direction with their pitch mix but those are always a lot harder because like that data seems like it's right in front of us and it's very clear that they should do that, but they haven't done that yet. So you're expecting them to do something that they've never done before just because it seems like it's common sense. So yeah, definitely look for them and look for the outliers. Um, and generally like you can, you can get a decent sense of it. I mean, I mentioned like I've never been on Sean Manaya, and then last year I had him, got him in a bunch of drafts because he was plus velocity. Robbie Ray had no interest in him, had zero shares, um, during DC season. And then I had him on two or three teams um, specifically because the Vila was up. So generally it's been something that people have highlighted and talked about. 
And I think we should, we should focus on more uh, in the spring training. Cause it is one of the things that we can really kind of take a, take action on. Now you don't have to give all of your secrets away, but I'm curious. Um, how are you going about it without Jeff monitoring it like usual? Oh, I mean, I take a look at Statcast every night. So okay. I go through and take a look at it and just kind of make a mental note, you know, reading the mining, the news. I mean, there's you, stuff you light a there. candle and pour a glass of wine and turn on Statcast to see who's you know, up. I, um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what I do. I have my, um, my plant-based protein shake yeah, there and you go. I no, I actually drink my tea. I drink my, I my say, yeah, tea. Some type of tea. It's too, too late in the night for your Thai coffee. Hanging out, you know? Um, so yeah, but yeah, I, I kind of try to monitor that stuff pretty closely. There's not a ton of hitter stuff outside of lineups. There is research that Jeff has done that's shown that kind of in spring training, they don't give you ground ball rate, but they give you, um, ground out versus air out is what they call it. So essentially like line drives and, um, fly balls that are outs versus ground ball outs. And they've, and he's done a little bit of research that shows kind of, I think at the extremes that there is something to, to that as well. So I'll take a look at that towards the end of spring training. You know, once we've got a little bit of a larger sample, I don't know if we'll get there on the samples sample this, this spring training, because it's a, you know, a little bit, yeah condensed obviously i have not looked yet but uh, does every stadium finally have Statcast? no no there's still not because yeah other, I mean, it's, saw, it's actually three... super disappointing like yesterday i yeah. think there was like four games that had Statcast, and yeah it's not like many i knew that a bunch so that I... had game day and i'm like what on earth people so it hasn't changed yet okay i was wondering because that's all like it's arizona's got it and a couple others but uh i always re- like i was i was laughing because i can't remember what beat reporter it was was talking about guys on the backfields and they were using Statcast. I'm like, what? So they have in the backfields, but not what we needed. Um, Little Book of Calm has a question. Going back to the top of the list two episodes ago, based on what we just saw from Jacob DeGoat today, I it's he said DeGrom, I said DeGoat. Um, DeGrom or Woodruff, who's your pick? Uh, I'd go with DeGrom right now. Yeah. No. Yeah. I think he'd be we my saw number, what we needed to see. My number, I think he'd be my number three starting pitcher yeah. probably like I, I i tweeted it out the other day um i drafted an oc on sunday night Degrom went sixth first pitcher off the board which was uh the first i've ever seen mm. which is risky but i get in an overall i'm not totally, gonna argue it. Totally, i'm not gonna argue yeah. it like but the, the the thing that didn't make sense is the next pick at pick seven someone took fernando tatis jr that did not make that sense. that does not make sense no Somebody but like the grom the grom i tweeted out and people like oh that's fine i said no it is i was just letting you know like it was surprising because i hadn't seen it yet and like literally on a friday night show with fish and guilds we were talking about the main like do we see the grom jump cole and burns and like yeah i think we will especially if he has a good start not knowing to be this good well this was before the good start and someone jumped them and i'm like okay we're definitely seeing that on sunday so like ryan bloomfield comes on twitter today on tuesday and goes now the question is do we see him go 1.01 yeah at the main events which i think i'm like i could see it i could see someone someone that was going to take cole i could see someone going you know what we're going for the moon and we're taking jacob de because in those events you're playing for the overall more off like not all the time not everybody but you kind of you got to have at least a little gamble mindset and if you believe de can stay healthy he's still probably the best it's just cole don't tempt might- me bubba Oh, dude, I, trust me. I, I haven't. I've got, I've got one, two in the middle. So I haven't had the stones to do it yet. And it's, it's tempting. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm kind of bummed already that like, I have none. 
So it's kind of like, uh, I totally had my chance. I let it go because I was too cautious, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I have him in a couple DCs, so I'm not totally striking out. I think it's a, I mean, it's an interesting conundrum, right? I mean, the challenge I think is volume is so important early on. And I think we don't give, I mean, like, I think we don't give Cole enough credit for what he's done over the no. years. You know, People I mean, I take it for granted now. It seems like, yeah, I mean, he's not like the sub one ERA guy. I mean, I don't know if DeGrom can continue yeah, at that Pedro, pace. Pedro it's, didn't do that every year either. It's, it's yeah. tough to, tough to keep up. It's unlikely, but I mean, like Cole's like, he's got a sub three ERA in three of the last four seasons. And last year he had, uh, an ERA higher than, um, higher than three, but his FIP that season was two ninety two. You know, although he got a little bit lucky in that in that shortened season. So, um, so yeah. So I just think you know I, I I'm still confident in in Cole as as the number one, but um, Degrom's definitely appealing for sure. Yeah, I I I, I will take Degrom over Woodruff for sure. I like little book of comms question, but it, I, I think I might still have him behind Cole. I think I'd have him ahead of Burns now. I'll say that much. Um, mm. But I will not argue anybody to take him over Cole. Like if you think you want to, I can see a scenario that that's not a bad, like it's tricky. Like I know where you're going at 1.2 right now. That might change by Saturday, but um, it's just like you put all that money in and you're literally comparing two just elite pitchers let's take the one without the known injury type scenario. Like let's, we can take some gambles later, but like DeGrom won people leagues last year without pitching like half a season. <laughs> so it's insane. Ask Phil Dusso. Like it, it's insane what it he did given, given he had other pieces to help, but he didn't hurt you. Let's put it that way. All right. We're going to wrap it up there. We'll come back next week. Potentially they'll see how Toby's feeling when he gets back, but uh, we'll come back. We'll talk, you know, in FBC main events, we'll talk some draft stuff. Let's make it a listener question episode. If you guys want to show up, cause it's the heart of draft season. We've, uh, we've just got done previewing all the positions. We could recap it, but you know what? I think we're better off doing stuff for you guys. So tell us what you want. Give us some listener questions and Toby final thoughts before you head to the desert. Yeah, I mean, it should, the main events are going to be really interesting. It's very different, I think, than what's happened in the past because you had kind of like a few mains that happened, like I think three or four mains that happened that first weekend that kind of set the stage. But now you have the bulk of the main events will happen or at least like half of them will happen so far away from, you know, kind of opening day. So there's still a lot of questions around closer situations and um, just – things in general so it'll be interesting to see how everything plays out for sure yeah it's gonna be fun i'm looking forward to it i'm bummed i can't be there but family calls as it already called at the beginning of this episode so uh i appreciate you carrying the torch there for a little bit uh, she uh, just wanted to snuggle a little more apparently oh uh, i love more. it i almost told i almost texted you and said you're on your own kid but <laughs> um but uh, that would have been painful for the uh yeah. for the listeners nah, she started snoring in my arms so i put her down we're good to go nice. 
But um, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm looking forward to seeing how you guys all do. It's gonna be a heck of a group out there. Really, really fun group of people. For sure. Um, and, and it's gonna be a blast. But make sure you guys follow Toby on Twitter at BathupCrazy. He'll probably be tweeting out some cool Vegas desserts and all kinds of stuff he'll be doing there. So check that out. I guarantee you're gonna have some fun stuff besides just draft stuff. But you know, he might have a few gifts for you as well, like who his pick at one point two is. We'll see. Because I know what his favorite gift of that person is. So it's gonna happen. You do. And uh, you <laughs> we'll do. see how that goes but you can check me out on twitter at bdentric as well hope you guys have a good one hope the previews were good for you again listener questions next week so get them in get them early and we'll save them up for you but for now love and the bat flip episode 118 in the book catch you guys later Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.